So using professional actors, uh, actors will go into hospitals and read to stroke survivors. We all, we all have our own likes and our dislikes and our, and, our, and our own genres of material that we really love and genres of material that we don't like. So it's very, very important that what is delivered is a personalized service. And that's why uh, our actors make notes. I'm also hoping that we can enter the domain of clinical research. I think that that's very important. This podcast is sponsored by Grippable, the measurable mobile and motivating device for weakened hand and arms. Bringing some serious fun to your rehab with Grippable. Visit www.grippable.co to buy or try now or email Grippable's friendly team at hello at grippable.co. Hello, welcome back to the SR Times podcast. Today I'm joined by Nerjay Mahindru, who's the chief executive of Interact. Nerjay, we'd like to start the podcast in the same way for every episode, just getting to know our guest a little bit better. So if you wouldn't mind, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. Yes, uh, um, uh, thank you very much for having me uh, as a guest. I am uh, Nirjay Mahindru. I'm the chief executive of the charity Interact Stroke Support. Uh, we're a charity that takes professional actors into hospitals and reads to stroke survivors. Uh, prior to uh, running Interact, um, I was myself a professional actor for many years, and then I set up my own theatre company, and um, I'm also uh, a writer, uh, and I've had various plays uh, published uh, and performed. So that's who I am uh, in a nutshell. Brilliant. So Interact, it's it's quite a unique unique charity for, for what you do. So first off, I think we better start with just going over what the inspiration behind the founding of Interact was? Well, Interact was founded by um, the wonderful theatre director, Caroline Smith. And uh, the idea came when her brother became ill. And her, her brother was a, a doctor, and Caroline would often read to him. And um, they both thought, wouldn't might this transpose itself very well to helping people, uh, other people who, who were unwell. And so uh, Caroline initially approached a local hospice uh, with professional actors because she came from a theatre background. And they started delivering a reading service uh, at the hospice. And it was the hospital professionals at the hospice who said to Caroline, actually, uh, some of the best people who might really benefit from this type of reading service would be stroke survivors. So it was f at that point that Caroline then started to approach stroke wards at um, various London hospitals. And that's how Interact started. It it, it started in London with, with various London hospitals um, in, in the beginning. And then, of course, uh, as the years have gone on, we have uh, uh, expanded the service so that we're we're now running nationally. Yeah. So we've I've mentioned that it's it's quite a unique unique charity. So could you tell us what services you actually offer for stroke survivors? Yes, of course. So using professional actors, 
uh, actors will go into hospitals and read to stroke survivors. Um, uh, an interact session will last two hours and an actor will go from patient to patient uh, reading to them on a one-to-one -one basis. And what's absolutely critical, uh, very, very important, is that what is read to the stroke survivor is of interest to the stroke survivor. And so what is a, a complete waste of time would be an interact reader simply introducing themselves to a stroke survivor, sitting down and then giving them a rendition of a, of a Shakespeare speech if the recipient is not particularly interested in Shakespeare. So the clue is in the title. There needs to be an interaction to start off with based on conversations with the stroke survivor, based on notes that previous actors have made, um, which give the actor sufficient clues and information as to what would be appropriate to this person. And so the, the person in front of them might be really keen on football or really keen on dogs or cats or gardening or whatever it is. And a good interact reader is then uh, sussing out for themselves, ah, this person really likes dogs. I think I'm going to read them a really good dog story that I've got here in my reading manual. And all our actors have uh, reading manuals. Plus, of course, these days they have um, nearly all of them have smartphones. So uh, they can easily access material that is of interest to that particular patient. And over the two hour time frame, an actor will go uh, reading to people individually, uh, one to one. And so over a two hour time frame, an interact reader might read to six, seven uh, uh, people um, on the stroke ward. It's nice that there's that personalization there. That's something without sounding too silly that I hadn't quite thought of the, uh, you know, it wouldn't just be a, a generic story for each patient. They're all getting a kind of a, a story that they're going to be able to, as you said, interact with and, and enjoy. Exactly. And, you know, uh, we, all, we all have our own likes and our dislikes and our, and, our, and our own genres of material that we really love and genres of material that we don't like. So it's very, very important that what is delivered is a personalised service. And that's why uh, our actors make notes um, um, after they have read to the patient. The notes will say it, it will be something like Miss Smith in bed seven. She really loves crime stories. And that then gives the next actor who comes along the, the, the most appropriate information about what will work well for Miss Smith in bed seven. Um, and of course, you know, there will be some people who often will say, no, I don't want the service. And, you know, our response to that is always to say, that's fine. No problem. If you change your mind, we read on uh, these particular times and on these particular days. And that's very important as well, respecting the agency of the stroke survivor, um, because they're, they're actually far more likely to say yes next time round if you've respected their wishes in the first place. And I guess if they see that that personalisation, the other patients who are going ahead, getting the, the readings done and everything, they, I guess they see that and they think, oh, actually... That is exactly what happens. That is exactly what happens. They that they listen in, and they think, "Oh, actually, next time I'm going to say yes uh, to to the reading service." 
but that comes from a place of respect it comes from it comes from us having respected them initially saying no i think the worst thing that uh, any internet reader could do uh, if someone has said no, is to ignore that, sit down next to them and say something like, oh, no, no, this is going to be very, very good for you. So it's it's respecting their agency, which which creates the atmosphere for, for them to say yes next time round. And of course, if they're then listening in uh, to uh, an interact reader reading to their next door neighbour, um, they're, I hope, are going to be far more likely to say yes next time round. Yeah, definitely. So we've mentioned there how some patients might say no at first and then and then go, actually, this is something I'd I'd quite like to do. What kind of feedback has Interact had from these stroke wards? We've had such a plethora of different feedback over the 22 years that Interact has been in existence um, from occupational therapists, speech therapists, ward managers, the stroke survivors themselves, and of course, uh, stroke specialists. Um, I've personally have always been very keen on um, the feedback from the stroke survivor. I think that for me personally, that's the most important thing. You know, when I hear stroke survivors say things like this is good food for the brain, or this is better than four months of medicine. I just think, well, you know, we're, we are doing our job. Obviously, from a fundraising point of view, that type of anecdotal evidence needs to be counterbalanced by feedback from hospital pro professionals themselves. So we've been very lucky to have people like uh, Professor Anthony Rudd, for example, who spent many years at St. Thomas's Hospital, was the UK uh, lead clinician on uh, stroke service delivery. And he saw the service and um, gave a great quote as to, you know, uh, him seeing what an appreciable difference the service made uh, both to the stroke patient and also to the hospital staff because stroke patients were far more willing to engage in other hospital activities post an inter interaction with our actors. Yeah, so we've spoke about the feedback, how the sessions actually happen. So how can a stroke ward go about booking uh, Interact actors to come in and read to their patients? Well, currently Interact read in 19 hospitals. And, uh, you, you know, it, it, it does cost money to, to deliver this service. And if we were, if we were to deliver three, three two-hour sessions a week, um, we're looking at a cost of uh, over £10,000 to deliver that over a full year. We don't charge the hospitals for that because, you know, we're very, very aware of of, of um, the budgetary constraints of most hospitals. So what Interact does is try to raise that money uh, via trusts, foundations, um, you know, via... Um, you know, PR campaigns and fundraising campaigns. We try to raise that money so that we can deliver the service at the hospital. The problem is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of hospitals who would love to have our service beyond the 19 that we, we already serve. Uh, for us, the issue is twofold. The first is raising the money to deliver it to extra hospitals. 
compounded with that is is then to sustain that monetary income over a period of years. Uh, but also, the other problem is making sure that we have a sufficiently large pool of actors who can deliver the service at that particular hospital. So if we're in a very large city, uh, London, Birmingham, Manchester, Glasgow, Cardiff, etc., um, having the actors to deliver the service is no problem at all. But if a hospital were to approach us and say, we would like to have you, and they are out in the countryside where there are hardly any actors at all, then there is a, a an issue. So we have to be very careful in how we decide where we're going to expand. Um, the expansion is going to be based on, you know, the density of stroke survivors in a community, coupled with the, the availability of a, of a sufficiently large pool of professional actors who are available to deliver the service. So it we, we, we simply cannot deliver our service to every single hospital that wants to, to have us. That's just not possible. But we do wish to expand. Um, I'm hoping that our next point of expansion would will be Belfast. Then after that, I'm hoping that Interact would expand to areas like Liverpool or areas like Yorkshire, you know, which have high densities of stroke and equally have the uh, professional actors available to deliver the service. I'm also hoping to expand to areas like Cornwall and and, and the, the, the southeast. But it takes quite a long time to to set that type of thing up. And at this point in time, what we're what we're doing is is simply trying to get our feet back in the 19 hospitals that we were originally working in uh, before COVID and national lockdowns occurred. So while we're on the topic of of the actors, I guess this question will be a bit of a two-parter. The first one would be how does the recruitment process happen with the with getting the actors in and then kind of the, the next part of that question would be how are those actors then prepared to go in to you know what's what's a sensitive environment these people have just had a life-changing thing happen to them so how would you prepare the actors to go into that environment so let me answer part one first um Quite often, we get actors who approach us. They're, they've heard about us through other actors. They are, they're very, very excited about the prospect of being an interact reader, and they will simply make a direct approach to us. <clears throat> if we're doing an expansion to a brand new area, for example, let's say we were expanding to, to Liverpool, we would put an ad out, uh, and, uh, you know, Liverpool Equity, for example, Arts Jobs, various other places to say that we are looking for professional actors who will deliver um, our in interact um, reading service. Those actors will then send their CVs and covering letters uh, to, to interact and we'll sift through them and develop a shortlist of people who we think um, we would like to interview. Um, the shortlisted actors are then interviewed and the interview takes about an hour. These days, the interviews will be done via Zoom because it just makes life much easier uh, for both parties. Once the interviews have been done and I feel, yes, this person is possibly right for Interact, they will then have 
two shadow sessions at a hospital. Those shadow sessions um, answer six questions. Number one, how long does it really take them to get to the hospital? Number two, where's the ward? Number three, where do we keep our material? Number four, introduction to hospital staff. Number five, they can observe an experienced interact reader delivering the service. And number six, they can observe the same experienced interact reader filling in our paperwork. So we offer them two of those shadow sessions so that they then feel comfortable. They have seen a, a, an interact reader deliver the service. They know where the ward is. They then start their probationary period. That probationary period is three months. <clears throat> and during that time, my training team will come <clears throat> and observe them and offer them training tips. Um, they, they might say, you're reading very well, but could you make um, more eye contact? Or they might say something like, that's really, really good, but could you just read a little bit slower, etc." So that's essentially how it works. We also uh, send them a welcome pack, you know, uh, which talks about best practices and to, of course, respect the sensitive environment of hospital setting. I'm always looking for actors that have a natural empathy and a sympathy for the sensitive environment of hospitals. <clears throat> I, I often get CVs from actors which say, you know, I've done this and I've done that and I've been in this film and I've worked with this person. And I think, yep, that's fine. And I'll get another CV from an actor and it might say, dear Nierge, uh, you know, I've I've left drama school a couple of years ago. I'm not that experienced as a professional actor. I'm just starting on my way. But my mom had a stroke. Now, that type of person I'm very interested to interview because they have a personal relationship with stroke. I'm not saying that the first person uh, is unsuited to to uh, the service, but the set that second person, I'm very keen to interview them. So that generally is the process. And, and during the shadow uh, uh, phase where they have their uh, two shadow sessions with an experienced reader, plus their probationary phase, it's also their opportunity as actors to decide, well, actually, is this right for me? I didn't realize what a stroke ward was like. I didn't realize what stroke patients were like. Maybe this isn't suited for me. And that's absolutely fine. I always say at interview stage, just be honest. If, if you feel it's not right for you, that's totally fine. That's no, no problem whatsoever. Because the most important person in the room, as far as I'm concerned, is the stroke survivor. And so we need to have people who are comfortable and sensitive uh, to uh, the hospital environment of a stroke ward. So let's move on. We've talked about interact in the stroke wards. Now I wanted to talk about interact home. Can you just give us a, an explanation of what interact home is and how, how that works? Interact at Home is a virtual uh, service which we created during the uh, initial lockdowns. Um, obviously, when lockdowns occurred, we couldn't go into any of our hospitals. So we decided to create a, a virtual service delivery directly into people's homes where people uh, can interact uh, with a professional actor 
uh, one-to-one and they can do that via Zoom or they can do it via the good old-fashioned telephone. Now, the reason we put the telephone service in place was because we were sensitive to the idea that there would be many stroke survivors, uh, particularly those of a certain age, that didn't feel particularly comfortable with social media platforms such as Zoom. So that's why we wanted to have the telephone service as well. So it's a one-to-one where the actor will read stories exactly the same way that they would have read to them in the hospital setting. Um, Each session, one-to-one session, will last approximately 30 minutes. Uh, The sessions are completely free of charge. Um, They don't have to pay, um, provided that they have... uh, uh, they don't have to pay for for two sessions per week. Now, what we found is that <clears throat> people want more than two sessions a week, and in that instance, we say, look, for any sessions beyond the two free sessions per week, we would like you to pay fifteen pounds for a thirty-minute session. We have also offered um, uh, interact at home as a group session. Uh, to stroke groups uh, that went that worked very very well uh, particularly over lockdown they last about an hour and again <clears throat> whoever the local stroke group coordinator is will will do the booking and will uh, give the actor the relevant information as to the type of things their particular group likes or dislikes um, and it's uh, available, even now we're moving away from constant lockdowns, we've decided to keep Interactor Terms, so it's available to anybody, anywhere. That's the other great thing about it. Um, <clears throat> somebody living in John O'Groats, who's had a stroke, uh, can access the service um, uh, simply by going onto our website and um, clicking Interactor Home, and uh, they can they can book the service and have a professional actor uh, reading to them. So I guess what I was gonna gonna ask is that you said that you you've kept it on and it's a, been a brilliant way of adapting during what was a difficult time during during the pandemic and the and the lockdowns. Have you found then since you are keeping it going that the demand is still there from from like lockdown is the demand still as as high as it was then? Um, we've we've lost demand from stroke groups because they now are tending to meet in person. So they they have tended to, to say, well, since we're now meeting in person, we don't need to have the online version. The demand for the one-to-ones is, is, is still there. I think the issue for us is uh, trying to make sure that people are aware of the service, that they are aware that there is this service available for anybody free of charge, two sessions a week. Um, and that's why, you know, we, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do a, a podcast interview like this, but uh, we've, we've now, we've also got new literature out that we're giving out to all our hospitals. We're trying to liaise with um, as many stroke coordinators as we possibly can to let them know, <clears throat> to tell people upon discharge from the hospital that there is this service that exists that might be of interest to them. So we've seen a, a stable demand for the one-to-one sessions, but a fall in demand for the group sessions as we've moved away from lockdown. So, Nergia, 
I've got one last question for you is and that is just what does 2023 it's right around the corner what does that have in store for Interact? Well, I'm, I'm hoping that 2023 will represent uh, Interact getting back to uh, stability in relation to the 19 hospitals that we were originally in, the 35 stroke clubs that we've uh, originally been working in. Um, I hope that we can now go back to focusing on um, expanding the community development work that we had started uh, before the lockdowns and, and COVID came along. Uh, where we were encouraging groups of stroke survivors to find their own creativity um, using professional actors as facilitators. We would we would go in and say, what is it that you want to do? We had we had some groups saying, oh, well, we want to do EastEnders for the radio. And, uh, you know, we would take our phones and, and start recording people that had never acted in their lives before, suddenly uh, improvising. We would edit those and and and. Uh, put them onto CDs and MP3s and give it back, give it back to the people who had created it. So we we had other groups who were saying things like, "We want to create our own radio play." So various groups were very very different, and we want to continue that. I am hoping that Interact expands to Belfast. That was the next logical step uh, before COVID came along, so that we can be a truly United Kingdom charity. And I'm also hoping that we can enter the domain of clinical research. I think that that's very important to have clinical research done on our work, which can then serve as a backup to the anecdotal uh, feedback that we've had for so many years. If, if, if there's uh, clinical research that supports the validity of, of Interact, that will then help Interact uh, from a uh, funding perspective. So. Those are the areas that I hope will come to fruition in 2023. Brilliant, Nerji. Thank you very much for your time today. It's been brilliant to speak to you and learn all about Interact. Oh, no, thank you. It's been a great pleasure. Thanks a lot.